What's up, everyone? And welcome into ADC Sports Dallas primetime on this Tuesday night. My name is Mauricio Rodriguez, streaming with you live every Sunday through Thursday night at 8 p.m. Central here on Dallas On Demand Sports Talk Network. With a lot more content coming your way throughout the entire offseason, make sure that you check out adcsports.com slash Dallas. Tonight on the show, we will take a look at some of the reasons why Dak Prescott could lift the Cowboys offense while it has question marks at offensive line and more, maybe more concerning at wide receiver. And I say that because maybe you can trust guys like Terrence Steele, Zach Martin, Tyron Smith, and Tyler Viotish, who played a lot for this same Cowboys team last year to get the job done in the trenches. Maybe you can be optimistic and think that they can get it done. But maybe at wide receiver, especially early in the season, while Michael Gallup is able to come back, there are just several question marks. Will Jalen Tolbert be ready to go week one? How much will it take for him to adapt to the NFL level? How long will Michael Gallup will be away from the team? And is any of the young ones like Simi Fehoko, like TJ Vasher, actually good enough to play on Sundays. There are a lot of question marks across the entire offense. Offense, And you can even go as far as saying that running back is a question mark with the way that Ezekiel Elliott looked post-injury in 2021. It's a matter of whether or not he will go back to his pre-injury form in which he was actually doing a pretty good job running the football. But there is, a, there is the one reason why, there is the one reason why we could argue that Dak Prescott is ready to elevate the offense in spite of all of this. And it's a particular stat from PFF. So you guys know that they do the passing grades. And they took a, they took a look at passing grades for quarterbacks with a clean pocket versus when they are pressured. And I was personally, I was actually quite blown away by this. But it turns out that Dak Prescott had the highest passing grade under pressure in among the entire NFL. Now, let me put out a question for you guys here. Are you surprised or unsurprised at Dak Prescott being the number one in passing grade when he is pressured? Because I would have assumed that he was up there among the best because we've seen Dak Prescott do this time and time again before. But I will be the first to admit that I was not expecting Dak Prescott to be the number one quarterback in the NFL when it comes to passing grade under pressure. Now, I know that passing grade is not the V-all, dual of, you know, quarterback metrics. But I was surprised by it. And it definitely carries some weight, as I have said before. You need to give PFF some credit here and admit that they do some cool things, even though we shouldn't look at them as the ultimate authority when it comes to football. Now, some more context on Dak Prescott being the highest grade under pressure. He was over four points better, according to PFF.com, than the second best grade. So he was the best performing pressured passer of the group. 
Now, according to PFF, he completed 80 of 152 attempts under fire from the defense, went for 980 yards in those 80 attempts that he completed, of course, nine touchdowns, 55 first downs, and 12 big-time throws that overshadow nine turnover-worthy plays. As you guys know, PFF measures all of that. But, yay. Yeah, if you are looking at this Cowboys offense and you're looking for any reason for optimism, Dak Prescott killing it under pressure has to be up there because that kind of eases concerns maybe about the fact that you don't know how his pass protection will hold up in 2022 with a guy like Tyler Smith at left guard. We don't know if Tyler Biotis will be able to take the next step at center. And even Terrence Steele can be considered a question mark because we don't know how consistent he will be as a full-time starter. That's something that we have not seen before, really. So the fact that Prescott can work under pressure and the fact that he can buy maybe a fraction of a second longer for his receivers to gain some separation, especially as the position has plenty of question marks as well beyond CeeDee Lamb. You got to feel good about Dak Prescott working this well under pressure. So if you're asking me one of the biggest reasons for optimism, it has to be that. Let me see some of your answers about whether or not you are surprised or unsurprised at Dak Prescott being number one in passing grade under pressure. Bruce says unsurprised. Toxic Tom says the dude has eyes in his veins. The line play says Tony Simmons, no, not surprised. Gregory says surprised. Dak will win the big one soon, says David House over at Facebook. David, I wish wholeheartedly that we look back on this comment and say, David nailed it. David came from the future. MJ says, unsurprised in the slightest. Big says unsurprised in stats says he's say he's great at it. And yeah, and, and what I am surprised about is that PFF is not usually the highest national outlet on Dak Prescott. When it comes to the passing grade, you usually see Dak Prescott ranked lower than a lot of other quarterback rankings have the Cowboys quarterback at. And I would have imagined and I would have assumed that he was ranked as one of the very best under pressure, but I was surprised at him being number one. Maybe I would have assumed that some of the other beloved quarterbacks would have gotten the, the nod, right? Like Patrick Mahomes, for example, or Josh Allen and guys like that. Daniel Zamora says surprised. Tyler, be honest, says uh, <laughs> Toxic Tom. Craig says we will not win unless we run the ball more than Dak throws. I will drastically and emphatically disagree with that. I think that there is a reason why we've seen the trend in the NFL becoming the passing game, right? We've seen, we've called this a passing league, and it's, of course, a cliche at this point, but you have to be better at passing the football, and you have to be more pass-aggressive to be successful in the NFL in today's era. Now, I will say the Cowboys need to run the football better. 
But I, I cannot sit here and say that in a league that there is no more valuable position than quarterback that I need the Cowboys to run the football more than they throw the football. Now, I know that, you know, they're 29-0 and 0 when they run the football, but we've, we've, been, we've touched on this topic before. We've, we've touched on this topic before. And, you know, all of those stats that say, oh, the Cowboys are 29-0 and 0 when they run the football more than they throw the football, that's just a fallacy. And that's a result bias. We could call it that. Because you're not winning the ball game because you're running the football. You're running the football because you're winning the ball game. Because you're up on that scoreboard. And that is why, and if you take a look at this league-wide, not only you know narrowing it down to the Cowboys, you can see that teams that are ahead in the scoreboard will run the football more. And that's when the rush attempts will go up and the rushing yards will go up because you can see that across the entire league. Every time that you're winning the ball game, you're running the football. Just as the contrary is true. When you are behind, you're not running the rock. You're trying to catch up. So a lot of the times, a, a lot of the times, not a lot. I will, you know, actually rewind and will double down pretty much every single time that we hear these stats. That's the reason why. 29-0 and 0 because they are up. And of course, you're going to win the game when you are already up. And there's actually a great picture on this. You can find it over at Cowboys Stats. And I want to have Cowboys Stats on the show at some point this offseason. Shout out to Dan. Go into Cowboys Stats Twitter account. Once this is done, once the primetime show is done and look at the header. And I actually believe he has that as his pinned tweet. And it's a graph that shows this effect pretty clearly. But Mo says Toxic Tom is that good at blocking. <laughs> That's why Sick will be gone next year, says Michael. Uh, Stephen White says Dak can block, but he is no Ryan Null. <laughs> there you go. That's the conclusion that I didn't know that we needed from from uh, Cowboys prime, from this Cowboys primetime show. Let's see. Craig says, teams that we still run the ball when they are losing, we go away from the run too often. Now, that's a whole other topic that maybe we could explore some other time, whether or not the Cowboys abandon the run game too early. But mostly, mostly teams go away from the running game when they're losing significantly or when they're losing just overall. There's nothing more efficient than throwing the football. And this is proven by the numbers. So give me a stronger passing game than running game instead of the other way around. That's, that's me. Now, some more context on PFF. Uh, as we said, you know, I will go with these numbers again. The fact that when he was pressured, Prescott went 84, 80 of 152, excuse me, 980 yards total, nine touchdowns, 55 first downs, and 12 big-time throws. So out of those 80 completions, out of those 80 completions, 67 of those 
went for a first down or a touchdown. Dak Prescott working under pressure is one of the Cowboys' biggest assets heading into the 2022 NFL season. If you're betting on him to elevate the group, this is one of the biggest reasons why. Now, PFF's study was looking at the quarterbacks that were affected the most when they were under pressure, and Prescott ranked 27th. Now, his company might not look great because ranked at 28th, you've got Jared Goff, Daniel Jones, Carson Wentz, and Jalen Hurts are close to him as well. But that's also because PFF is ranking them by difference between clean pocket passing grade and pressured pocket passing grade. So if you don't have a great clean pocket passing grade, then it won't take much for you to have a, you know, small difference. But Dak Prescott has high numbers in both categories. So there you go. Interesting note by PFF.com. Now, moving on a little bit here, Terry McLaurin got signed. So the Cowboys got scary news out of the NFC East as I believe it was uh, who was it? I think it was Shane Carter over at the ADC Sports Dallas chat that said, we should have said scary news instead of bad. <laughs> Shout out to Shane if he's watching. So some scary news out of the NFC is because Scary Terry got a three-year extension. He will average $23.3 million per year in new money exclusively. And that makes him a top five highest paid wide receiver in the entire league. Now, my question for me to you is, as we sit here and we get ready for more Terry McLaurin in the future within the, within the division, would you say he is elite or near elite? I think those are the only two options for the Washington Commanders wide receiver. The guy has not been in the NFL for a long time. So maybe some people are not ready to call him elite. But he's also not worked with the best of quarterbacks. And you could argue that he is getting ready to play with the best quarterback that he's played with before. Because you've got Carson Wentz in Washington. And I know that Wentz is not great. But he is a better option than Ryan Fitzpatrick and or Taylor Heineke, in my opinion. So we will see Terry McLaurin play with his best quarterback yet in 2022. And that will be Carson Wentz. So just to give you an idea of what kind of quarterback play McLaurin has had so far in his career. So near elite or elite? That is the question for you guys in the YouTube chat and the Facebook chat. So what is up, Legends of 88? Thank you for joining the show. Tommy says that he is a bum. Terry McLaurin is. Uh, MJ says nearly. Steven says near at best. But Craig goes with elite. Uh, Toxic Ton says, damn, that is a hard one. I will say elite. Michael says almost elite. So feels like a 50-50 response here in the show. Danielle goes with elite. Let's see. Nowhere near elite, says Tommy915. <laughs> I will say near elite. And the reason will not be the quarterbacks that he has played with. The reason will be that I just want to see him do it uh, for a little bit longer. 
just like with CD Lamp, for example. I want to see these guys be consistent at it over a longer period of time before I call them elite, especially because it has to be proportional. Every time that you're ranking quarterbacks and you're giving them these sort of tags, to me, it has to be proportional. So I think that Mark Lauren is one of the very best in the NFL at his job, but I don't think that he's at the level of guys like DeAndre Hopkins, for example, Justin Jefferson even, Cooper Cup, Tyreek Hill. I don't have him there yet. And maybe that has to do with, you know, the quarterbacks that he's played with, but that's why I'm not ready to call Terry McLaurin an elite wide receiver. Craig says Lamp is not elite, which is something that I agree with. Michael says he is better than Lamp, which is something that so far I will agree with, but I think they're more or less on the same tier because we are way too early in their careers. Their careers are way too young. And the story could change from one year to another, right? Like CeeDee Lamb, CeeDee Lamb could be labeled as an elite player a year from now, now that he will get the chance to be a number one wide receiver, right? Or two years from now, since we're talking about longer periods of time. But I can definitely say that I would also rank McLaurin above CeeDee Lamb today. But, you know, the gap is not that big for me. And I think that the story can change year over year and will likely do that multiple times throughout their careers. We're way too early in this conversation. Just, you know, wide receiver is one of those positions that whereas quarterback, a guy can have a down year and still have his play secured in a top five ranking or top 10 ranking, wide receiver is way more volatile. Wouldn't you say? I feel like the consensus in the NFL as to who is the number one wide receiver is constantly changing. Years ago, you could have thrown OBJ on that conversation and no one would have even batted an eye. Now, a lot of people have jumped off the Andrew Hopkins bandwagon, for example, whereas at one point he was considered the consensus number one guy, right? So it is a conversation that it's constantly shifting. And I believe it has to do a lot with the fact that it's a production, it's an opportunity position. You are, you, you can be getting separation, you can be doing everything right, and you might not getting the ball your way. Let's see. Daniel says, there is no conversation with Terry and City. Terry has had a terrible quarterback and still put up good numbers while City does it with Dak. But once again, does that, does a quarterback that you're playing with change things? Maybe if you're both in, if, if everything else remains the same and the only thing that changes is who is throwing you to football, maybe that's enough of an argument to say that there is not a conversation. But right now, I think there's definitely a conversation and these two guys are closer than they would appear. Hopkins is absolutely amazing, says Craig. He is my number one wide receiver in the NFL right now, to be honest, even though he has been injured and all of that. But here, Michael says that to him, it's Cooper Cup. And a lot of people will say that it's someone else. It's a close conversation at wide receiver. But I will say near elite for Terry McLaurin, uh, definitely good news for the Washington commanders to get him back and to, you know, 
signed him to a long-term deal. And I don't think that the contract numbers were bad. They did remind Cowboys Nation, though. They will, they will remind Cowboys Nation, though, that they got rid of Mark Cooper for a fifth rounder when his contract was super team friendly. But anyways, we don't have to go back to that conversation. But it is true. It is true. And you cannot help thinking about it at least a little bit. Now, before we get out of here, ESPN named the best offseason move for each and every single team in the NFL. And maybe unsurprisingly, ESPN shows uh, retaining a particular defensive player that was a hybrid playmaker for the Cowboys. Now, I ask you, in your opinion, what was the best offseason move by the Cowboys? Because to ESPN, it was retaining Jaron Kears. And I don't hate it because Jaron Kears has been so important for Dan Quinn's defense, doing a little bit of everything. Playing as a linebacker, more or less. Playing as a regular safety and just allowing the Cowboys to be able to work with that big nickel unit. What was the best offseason move by the Cowboys? Let's see some of your answers here. Jaron Kears has got to be up there. And I just cannot help remembering when we were biting our nails and doubting whether or not Kears was going to come back. At some point in the offseason, the consensus maybe was that, oh yeah, he's a lock to come back to Dallas. But then we doubted it. And we knew that, we know that the negotiations were maybe not the smoothest of them all, at least according to Jaron Kears' social media accounts. But now that he's back, Cowboys Nation couldn't be happier. And he's got to be, in my opinion, the number one move or the number two move. Because I will agree with Bruce here, Bruce got the use, says, retaining Dan Quinn. That has to be the number one offseason move by the Cowboys. Just getting the guy that made Jaron Kears, the guy that, quote-unquote, made, because at the end of the day, he was a top-15 prospect. Michael Parsons turned the Cowboys into one of the best defenses in the league. We all thought that Dan Quinn was going to head elsewhere at some point. Bringing in Fowler's is correct to be back with Quinn. So that's a, you know, that's an original one as well. I'm, I'm hoping that Dante Fowler is able to live up to expectations or even exceed them. Not signing Randy Gregory to that big deal, says Michael. Maybe Michael was not that high on Randy Gregory. Bruce says, so unfortunately, Kellen didn't get the Miami job. Daniel says, so you think we should have re-signed Casey on another year? Mm, no, nah, I don't really think that, to be honest. I would disagree with that. I wouldn't have hated it, especially at the potential price that, that they could have gotten him back on. But I think that the Cowboys have several safeties. And maybe we are used to the Cowboys not having safeties but right now, you could make an argument that it's a tough battle for the 53-man roster. Think about it. You've got Kears, Donovan Wilson. You've got Israel Mukwamu even. And then Marquise Vell, the undrafted free agent. Did I mention Malik Cooker? I think that I didn't. 
So those are five safeties that are fighting for those spots. I don't think that, you know, the Monte Casey would have been a big-time re-sign for the Cowboys. I'm fine with them letting them walk. He did play a lot for the Cowboys, though. And hopefully Malik Hooker is able to stay healthy so that, you know, a month from now or several months from now, we're not thinking we should have re-signed the Monte. We'll see. We'll see. I think it was good not to bring him back, though. Anyways, Ryan says letting all the good expensive players go cannot win with them anyway. Michael says, Mo, the rookie with the last name Story, he is a safety, correct? That dude is a beast. A lot of people have been talking about Story, by the way. A lot of people have been talking about Story. We will see if he makes it into the 53-man roster. Definitely a player to watch in training camp. Actually, DallasCowboys.com had an article, a player profile on him recently in case you want to check it out. I have not read it. I do want to go back and read it with a little bit more time. But anyways, that will be it for me tonight here on the show. Thank you for joining. Do me a favor and hit the like button. If you're watching on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter, let your friends know about Primetime. We're live every night at 8 p.m. You can find me on Twitter at MAUNFL. That's M-A-U-NFL. Make sure that you tune in tomorrow to Skywalker Steel Show. We've got the Primetime Show with the one cool thing. And then on Thursday, I will not be live on the show, but there will be some Cowboys content for sure. Anyways, hit the like button, share the stream, and I will see you tomorrow night. Thank you very much.